following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. God is calling you from the years that you have wasted. He is calling you from the darkness into the light. He has such a heart of compassion and love for you. There are 
three parables taught in chapter 15, the book of Luke. The context for these passages is vital to understand what Jesus is saying to our hearts. He's speaking with tax collectors and publicans, with people who have wasted their years, who have lived in darkness and disobedience. He's speaking to them and he describes how God feels about them. And this is occasioned by the Pharisees and the the lawyers coming and accusing Jesus of eating with sinners and receiving them with love makes them angry. These are the ultra-right religious people. So he speaks this parable. It's a parable about a hundred sheep and one is lost. And God says Jesus goes after that one sheep that was lost. Now the problem is the sheep probably didn't even know it was lost. It was out wandering, eating grass here and there. What he didn't realize is that the wolves were also there and he was about to be eaten by the wolves. And Jesus comes and finds him, puts him over his shoulders and carries him home. He says, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep, the one having been lost. I say to you that likewise there will be joy in heaven over one sinner repenting than over ninety-nine righteous who have no need of repentance. Now, please hear me. Repentance is the way you get put on the shoulders of Jesus and carried home. When you're willing to talk honestly and openly about what you must repent of. Now, some of you have been quite offended by my openness about my own repentance. When my precious wife, Jan, died, in grief, in sorrow, I simply poured myself into my work. But frankly, I let the National Prayer Chapel move away from the intense work of prayer and repentance. And I drifted with them until finally we found ourselves in a ditch. And it was very uncomfortable and still is very uncomfortable. And now I'm in the process of repenting and pulling the prayer chapel by the power of the Holy Spirit out of the ditch. Some didn't like that. And that's okay. But the vision of the National Prayer Chapel is a people of prayer a people who will repent and walk righteous before the Lord. Not to look like the Pharisees or the the lawyers. Not to judge. But to simply humbly pray. And believe that prayer is what opens the way to be brought home. Now, this has been a very painful process for me, but it's it's meant I've had to deeply repent of not respecting God's people enough to constantly call them to that edge 
of total commitment to Jesus Christ, I let the church drift, and it drifted into a ditch. Well, it's coming out of that ditch now. And it's being restored. This is my own personal struggle. And you know what? Jesus is carrying me on his shoulders. And I love him for that. Oh, he tells a second parable about a lost coin. Something of immense value to this precious woman who has lost this coin. And she lights the lamp and she sweeps the house and she's searching for it. Very plainly, the parable is saying Jesus is searching for you. And some of you today, you're a long ways from Jesus. And some of you, frankly, have have done what I did. You've drifted. And you find yourself today in a ditch. Now, if you allow pride to keep you in that ditch and prevent you from repenting and being restored, you're in for some very hard time. It is a choice to be found. We're not inanimate objects. We must choose to be found. Now, the third parable The glorious love of God is open for us to see, but it's also plainly showing us what we must do to be returned to the heart of the Father. It describes the journey home. There is a journey to be taken. Pilgrim's Progress, which is the name of this radio broadcast, was the story of Christian's journey going home. I want you on that journey home. I'd like it if you'd come and journey with me on that journey home. There is no pride or self-righteousness in the journey home. There is humility. There's brokenness. But there is a level of confidence in the Father to know that we can successfully make that journey home. Let me share the story with you. A certain man had two sons. This is the 15th chapter of Luke. And I'm reading now at verse 12. A certain man had two sons. Now, Father, as I share this story, we're coming home. And I pray that as we make this journey together, your spirit will guide us and quicken us and bring us to our senses that we would never again return to the pig pen. Lord, please come. I know the words I speak will be powerless and empty if not quickened by your Holy Spirit. So I pray, Lord, your spirit will come now and quicken these words and that you will prompt every listener to be involved and wholly committed to the journey home. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Well, there were two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give to me the part of the wealth belonging to me. Well, this was unconscionable. This was wrong. 
A father does not give the inheritance until after he dies. He writes a will. But this young man wanted everything now. The father, surprisingly, divides his livelihood, that is, that which supports him, that pays the bills, his resources. He divides them between the two sons, and he gives his portion, the younger son's portion, to him. Now, not many days after this, the young man gathered everything together and he goes on a journey into a distant country. Now, let's be clear. Jesus is telling this parable for those who have gone to a far country where they are separated from home. And they need to go because they're angry, because they're upset, because they want to not live under the Father. They want freedom. And so he goes, and it says there he squandered his wealth on riotous living, as the King James Version puts it. Now you understand what, a, what the word prodigal means? It means someone who spends what they have in a wasteful manner. It's not productive. So this young man goes to the far country and there he has lots of popular friends who love him because he pays the bill at the restaurant. He buys the the liquor, he buys the alcohol, he buys the prostitutes, he does everything. He's the man. And he's always wanted to be the man. He's always thought his elder brother was more important than he was always thinking that the father favored the elder brother because he got the work assignments and the younger brother was supposed to help the older brother. That's how it is in a family. I know I'm the youngest. So he's now alone in the far country. He has lots of money. And he spends it wildly. Now, after he has spent his wealth in loose living... There comes a severe famine throughout that country. And he began to go without because he ran out of money. Now, the problem that I see immediately is for that that youngest son to go to the far country and find for himself a business and then begin to do that business so that he never runs out of money. And some of you are in that condition today. You have your paycheck every month, or you have your business opportunity, and you're cranking your machine, and you've got everything covered, but you're a long way from home. You don't have the father, you don't have the family. Oh, you can survive there if you're careful and you're not a profligate. You're not wastefully spending your resources. And many 
many today, even members of the church, drop in on the family, but they never belong to the family. They're never committed. They're never committed to the Father. Instead, they're out there making their own way, making their own rules, walking in sin and wickedness, in numbness, trying to figure out what their next entertainment will be, what the next movie they want to go to, what the next party is that they're going to show up at, what the next big vacation is going to be. Oh, this year we're going to go to Ireland. Oh, I would love to go to Ireland. But if I go to Ireland, I'm only going to go to preach the gospel of Jesus. And I'm very grateful that many of you from Ireland download the broadcasts. I welcome you to Pilgrim's Progress. I'd love to hear from some of you, by the way. Send me a letter. You can find our address on our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Now, there's a severe family throughout that country. And he doesn't have any money left. And he's starving. He is hungry. And all of those friends that he has purchased the meals for and he's purchased the entertainment for, they're gone. He finds himself by himself. And so finally he goes to one of the farmers and he asks for a job. And the farmer sent him out into the fields to feed the pigs. Well, now for a Jewish young man, that's the worst thing that could happen. Pigs are considered utterly unclean animals. You don't touch them. But here he is herding the pigs, feeding the pigs. He's not getting paid enough to really survive. He's herding. In fact, he doesn't think he's going to survive. He thinks he's starving to death. You know, he sees that the pigs have plenty of food. Perhaps he even tries to eat the pods that he's feeding the pigs. Obviously, the, the food for the pigs is the leftover from the farmer or from the market, but it's not fit for human consumption. It's the slop they feed the pigs. And the pigs root around in the mud. They tear up the ground. They're not very pleasant animals out there in the farm. Now, some of you will scrub up your pig and you'll bring him into the house as your pet and you'll you'll have that big porker walking around in your house. Thank you. I don't want to do that. But some of you are happy with your pigs. They seem to please you. You say, Pastor, what are the pigs? Well, the pigs are probably the movies you feast on. The pigs are probably the the things that you do for entertainment, worldly things, the pot. The pigs are probably those things in your life like lying and cheating and stealing, ambition. And you're out there feeding the pigs. They're filthy. And you know they're filthy. And you know you're not living the way you're supposed to be living. How long do you want to do that? 
how long do you want to eat pig food before you're willing to take the journey home? All of our values, all of our self-righteous judgments, all of our places where we can veg out, all the places where you can be your own person, be your own man, be your own woman. Some of you have friends and family who live with you in the pig pen. Probably the most popular thing in America today is to feed the pigs. That's what the world does. The world lives with the pigs. The world, it's the pig pen. It's a place of misery and stench. It's a place of idleness. It's a place of hunger. Let me put it bluntly. It's a place of sin, of darkness, of misery, of broken relationships. The pig pen is where the pigs live. And you're not supposed to be there feeding the pigs. You're not supposed to be there getting the pig slop all over you. You can't feed the pigs and not begin to smell and look like the pigs. I remember my daddy had to go and re-tar the roof of our church school. It was a flat roof building. And he said, Raymond, come on, you can help me tar the building today. And so I said, okay. So I went on and put on a, a good pair of jeans and a nice shirt. I'm ready to go, Daddy. He said, no, no, Raymond, you don't understand. We're going to tar the roof, and you're going to get tar on your good pants. I said, no, I'm not, Daddy. I'll be careful. He said, Raymond, it is impossible to tar the roof and not get tar on you. So go put on your oldest pair of pants that have paint and other things on them, and then put on an old T-shirt that's ragged and dirty. Okay, I did. I tried to prove Daddy wrong. I did everything I could possibly do to try to prevent myself from getting pig slop on me. Tar. By the time I was finished, I had tar in my hair, I had tar on my face, I had tar all over me. You cannot live feeding the pigs and not get pig slop all over you. The Bible calls that sin. And all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, he's finally willing to admit that he's miserable. I want to read verse 17 out of the Lavender translation. It reads, But after having come to himself, he said, 
How many of my father's hired servants have an abundance of bread, but I am perishing with hunger? There is the necessity of coming to our senses, of finally saying, Look, I've had it with this drinking. I've had it with this smoking. I've had it with this pornography. I am finished. I am sick unto death of this worldly entertainment. I am sick of the lies. I am sick of the cheating. I am sick of the dishonesty. I need to be free. Now you're getting ready for the journey home. There has to be a coming to reality in our hearts and our minds where we're willing to give up our pride, where we're willing to give up our self-righteousness, where we're willing to give up the pig pen. You can't go home and take the pig pen with you. You have to leave it where it's at, and you have to leave it. You have to leave your pig pen. Now, I do have to tell you that as this young man began his journey home, he still smelled like the pigs. He still smelled like the pigs. There's only one way we can get rid of the pig stench in our lives, and that is through repentance and the washing and cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. I'll talk more about that in a moment. So he comes to his senses and he said, look, what am I doing here? Why don't I go home to my father? And he he decides in his heart, I'm going to go home to my father. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and I sinned before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Would you please just make me one of your hired servants? He'd come to his senses. He'd recognized that he had taken his father's provision and he had wasted it. And he knew he no longer deserved to be called his father's son, but he thought that perhaps because he was his father, he might hire him as a hired hand. So he, he got up that morning and he said, I'm going home. I'm going home. And he began the journey to his father. Now, it was not a short journey. He had gone to a far city. So he had to retrace the steps. And some of you are going to have a bit of a journey to come back to the father. Because you've gotten a long ways away from him. But when you come to your senses and you say, look, I have to be converted. I have to be changed. I have to be cleaned up. I want to be one of my father's servants. And as you walk on that journey home, I pray that you will have the company of those who love Jesus to walk with you. That's what the church is. Some of you need to leave the pig pen and come to church and find there a people 
a people not in the ditch, but a people who are vibrant in prayer, who are praying, who are crying out to God, who are talking about reality, who are not talking about fantasy world. People who are honestly dealing with their own hearts, with their own minds. People who have only one agenda, to be with the Father, to please the Father. Now, in this case, in this third parable, the father does not go and beg his son to leave the pig pen. The father is not out searching for his son because there is this issue that must be dealt with of coming to our senses and finally saying, look, I'm tired of this way of life. There has to be more to life than this emptiness. I'm, I'm, there has to be more than waking up in the morning with a guilty conscience and then doing the same thing all over again today. And there is. It's called home. Going home to the Father. Now, he was still a distance away, but his father saw him, and his father's heart was moved with compassion. And he ran to his son. He grabbed him. He hugged him. Pig slop and all. He hugged him, and he kissed him. He didn't say, you're too dirty for me to hug. He didn't say, you're too dirty for me to kiss. He loved him. His heart was filled with compassion for him. Please, may I tell you, you don't have to clean up before you come to Jesus. You just come the way you are. And the heart of God's going to be moved with compassion for you because Jesus loves you. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to judge you. It's not like there's some kind of competition. One person said, you know, I'm afraid to come to the prayer chapel because everybody there is so holy. Come on, get real. No, we're just people who make mistakes with a pastor who makes mistakes. But we're identified by a burning passion to make the final journey home to the Father, to the heavenly city, to heaven. We are, we are marked by a desire to have everything wiped clean by the blood of Jesus. What makes us the church is the love of Jesus being evidenced in our hearts and our lives as we allow him to do his work of restoration and healing in our hearts. I don't care today if you're utterly lost and suicidal and burning with passion for wickedness, if you're willing to walk away from that and begin to walk toward heaven, Jesus will meet you. And he'll have compassion on you. Now, some of you have tried to go home, but you've found that you keep sinning and repenting and sinning and repenting, and you're not making any progress toward heaven. That's where you finally have to get really real with Jesus. You have to go down there. And you have to confess it all. And you have to lay it all out. And you have to say to him, you know, I'm not worthy to be your son. Could I just be a servant in your house? And he's going to hug you and kiss you. 
He's going to love you. But you have to be willing to lay it out there and say, I'm not happy with the way my life is. I'm not happy with the sin I'm committing against God. I'm not happy with the wickedness in my heart. It's as though some of you have made enough progress to barely leave the pig pen. And then you settled down beside the road and said, I guess this is home. No, it's not. Home is where the heart of the Father is. It's not on some lonely road out there by yourself. It's being a part of the church. It's being a part of the body of Christ. It's where people are crying out for repentance, where people are crying out for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, where people know how to pray, where people are willing to get clean and get honest and and lay it all down. It's the church. It's the body of Jesus, and he's the head. But you have to be willing to leave the pig pen and not stop along the way. You need to walk all the way. You're not going to find a Cadillac to ride in. You're not going to have a Mercedes to ride to heaven in. You're going to have to walk it out one step at a time. And the key is what this young man came to came to his senses and he said my father's house has plenty of food i'm going to go and i'm going to work for my father i'm going to be a servant to my father but what is so beautiful is that while he's yet a distance away obviously the father has been watching for him perhaps there's even a trail out across the front yard where every day the father has gone looking down the road longingly for his son to return, knowing in his heart that he loves this precious son, but also knowing that he can't go to the pig pen and convince him to leave. He has to choose to leave the pig pen on his own. Now, in the parable, this is true, but in reality, the Holy Spirit comes and begins to talk to us while we're in the pig pen, and he begins to call us. And we may not even know that that's the Holy Spirit. There's just something happening in our heart and our mind that is saying, you know what, I'm not happy with this deal. There has to be something else. There's got to be more to life than this pig pen. That's the Holy Spirit calling you. Don't push him away. Begin to talk to him and say, Holy Spirit, will you come and find me? Will you carry me home, Holy Spirit? Will you bring me to Jesus? So he went to his father. And he says to his father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. But the father comes running, throws his arms around him. The father does not stand with pointed finger and say, Son, what are you doing back here? And where is all the money I gave you? And if you want to come home, you better bring all the money back. He doesn't say that. 
Do you have any wasted years in your life? I feel like I've wasted these last years. It's deeply grieved my heart. I have allowed sorrow and suffering to take my attention from that which was needful, which was intense prayer and searching for the Holy Spirit and confronting the sin. Now, in the confronting of sin, sometimes I've not done it the right way. Sometimes I've not even showed respect, and for that I'm deeply sorry. And if I've offended you on this broadcast, please forgive me. I don't come to this broadcast trying to offend anyone. It's in my heart to call you home, to come to the Father, to walk in righteousness, innocence, to leave behind the old. So the Father hugs him and kisses him. And the Father hears his his confession. Now please, without a confession, you can never go home. Without a confession of your sin, you can't go home. You can't go with your pig stench and expect to be loved and accepted in the family. No, you have to be washed and made clean. And that requires honest confession, truthful confession of what you have actually done. Now, this young man, I'm sure, felt totally justified in leaving home. His father wasn't treating him fairly. His elder brother was loved more than he was loved. He felt like he wasn't important and didn't have a place and wasn't listened to. He felt disrespected. All of that was part of his leaving home. But now he has to come back and humbly confess his sin. Father, I sinned against heaven and before you. I want you to notice in his demanding that money, he now recognizes that he sinned against God. He sinned against heaven. And he sinned in the presence of his father. The sin was not against his father, it was against God. I recognize that all of my sin has been against God. Pride, arrogance, hardness, that's all against God. Whatever your sin is, it is against God, but it is before men. And he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. How many times in recent weeks have I been before the Father and said to him, I'm not worthy to be your son. 
But the father said to his servants, You must bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. No doubt this was the family ring. Literally, it was the ring that allowed him to access the finances of the family. He's not been cut off from the family. He's brought fully back into the family. He's home. And at home, there are no second-class citizens. When you come home, you are the father's son, the father's daughter. No matter what you've done, you are the father's son and you are the father's daughter. And you are treated with great love and compassion and respect. And so he is given the robe. He's given the ring. And he has shoes put on his feet. The servants did not wear shoes. The master wore the shoes. He's given shoes to wear. When they walked together across the yard, to the house. He's not sent to live in the quarters of the servants. He's brought into the main house. And there, the father gives orders that the 4-H calf is to be slaughtered. And they have a party. A party of rejoicing over one sinner who has repented. Remember, I shared with you in the two other parables. Chapter 15, verse 10. So I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner repenting. And then again, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep, the one having been lost. I say to you that likewise there will be joy in heaven over one sinner repenting than over the 99 righteous who have no need of repentance. God cannot deal with the self-righteous who continue to dwell in their pig pen. He, He needs to have a people who come to their senses and who say, I need to go back home. I need to go to the Father. And there with humble heart confess that they are unworthy to be a part of the family. And then there is great rejoicing in heaven over that one sinner who has repented. Now, let's be specific. This son was dead, and he has now come to life. He had been lost, but now he has been found. And the party got underway. Music, dancing, celebration. Where are you today? Do you need to come home? Are you a long way from the Father's house? caught in your business, caught in your in your survival. 
caught in your sin. But knowing in your heart that things are not right with you, and knowing in your heart the wickedness of your own heart, and you need to confess that openly before God. Will you do that today? You can be converted right now as you listen to this broadcast if you will come to your senses and admit your place of wickedness and begin to fully confess that before the Father. To be converted simply means you change your mind. You come to your senses and you say, I'm done with this and I'm headed home. Will you come home today? Are you tired of the wasted years? Are you tired of living in the darkness and the pig pen and the stench? Will you go home and get scrubbed up by confessing honestly your sin, admitting what you have done, taking full ownership, not blaming anybody else, but taking full ownership yourself for what you have done, dropping your self-righteousness, dropping your defenses, dropping everything and saying, Lord, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you. Are you willing to repent today? Are you willing to go back home? It's time, isn't it? Mr. Producer, how much time do we have left in this broadcast? Good, there's time. Let's play this song again, Wasted Years. On life's pathway Is your life without God A life of tears Have you searched for life's great Hidden meaning Or is your life filled with long Wasted years, wasted years Oh, how foolish And you walk on in darkness and fear Turn around, turn around God is calling He's calling And no understanding There is someone who knows 
Roger Berry You can go on In a life of wasted years Wasted years, wasted years Oh, how foolish And you walk on in dark and fear Turn around Turn around God is calling He's calling you from a life of wasted years Turn around Turn around God is Will you begin that journey home today? Will you confess your sin before God? Will you begin the journey home? Jesus will receive you, and he'll love you. He'll wash you and make you clean. He'll totally give you a new life if you will turn from your sin, if you will repent. Now, Almighty God, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would reach out and encourage each person listening to join together in the journey home, getting clean so that we walk together in faith and love and joy. Lord, heaven is our home. The church is our home. Lord, would you bring us together in the name of Jesus, and would you forgive us our sin? I pray in your holy name. Amen. Now, we're almost out of time for this broadcast. I want to thank those of you who have been going on the Internet and donating for the cost of the radio broadcast. We are still now, instead of 1400 $65 short. We're now $1,215 short. I thank those of you who have been donating both at the post office. Our dear sister, thank you for your donation. Yesterday it came. We need your help. If the Holy Spirit has moved in your heart and you want this broadcast to continue on the air, would you give today hilariously? We're $1,215 short for the month of July, and that must be covered. Monday is the last day of July. So would you step up at the prompting of the Holy Spirit and give? And together, it'll be covered. Every month, by faith, it has been covered. 
and I'm trusting that this month you will do the same thing you've always done. Thank you, my precious brothers and sisters, for this amazing outpouring of love for Jesus. You can send your check or money order to or cash to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or just go on the internet, go to nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel, one word, dot com, and click on the donate button. And thank you, thank you. I know that we're going to be covered. I'm standing by faith that Jesus will cover this last $1,215. Thank you. You're also welcome to come. If coming home means coming to the prayer chapel, then come this Sunday to the All Saints Anglican Church at 12 noon. We'll begin praying at that time. We're located at 14851. Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia. Again, go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find the map and the directions and the times. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Thank you for listening to this edition of Pilgrim's Progress. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> 